Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. On today's episode, we've got Stephen Brooks of 24-7 Sports back in to talk some Spartan football with us, baby. Hoo-hoo, that's right. Let's go. You are Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Tuesday, October 12th is the day. That's right. Locked on Spartans is the podcast. I am your host, Matt Sheehan, and thank you so much for making Locked on Spartans your first listen every single day. Or if not your first listen, your lunchtime listen, your tuning out the boss at work listen, the commute to and from work listen, the whatever have you. Uh, thanks a ton, guys. You guys are the best. Um, this has obviously been a really fun season. 6-0. I mean, uh, it's been a, a, just a blast to talk about, and I'm sure it's been great for you guys to hear about too. Um, once again, we get our daily, no, daily, weekly newsletter from the Locked On Podcast Network of how our shows are stacking up against each other, and uh, super pumped and honored to say that Locked On Spartans is the number three rated college show uh, amongst the Locked On Podcast Network, so I just want to really extend some gratitude and thank you guys so much for making um, making this really a, a success so far. Like I said a few weeks ago, would love to think it's, uh, oh, because we're just killing it on here. No, it's it's pretty fun to talk about a 6-0 team. The, the team winning a lot and getting some awesome guests on here to talk about, uh, that certainly helps as well. And it's um it's probably a better reason uh, to listen to the podcast uh, as opposed to, well, who just jumped us for number two. That would be Locked on LSU Tigers. And they do a fantastic job. It's a great show. But also, we talked about this with Graham Couch last week as well. People either love listening to good things being said about a good team, your Michigan State Spartans, or they uh, just enjoy the misery and the uh, schadenfreude of a bad season with a bad team. And that's what we got with LSU. So, yeah, super blessed to be on the good side of that and talk about a 6-0 team instead of a team that is probably going to be firing their national championship winning head coach in a few weeks here. So, get, Mel, if you're listening, which, oh, I, I know you are. Mel Tucker never misses an episode here. Uh, thank you. Thank you for making uh, this one of the uh, fun podcasts to listen to amongst a uh, college football season that's been all over the place for a lot of teams. No doubt about that. Um, like I said, guys, on today's episode, we have got Stephen Brooks of 24-7 Sports, friend of the program. He drops by every week because, well, Stephen's just the best. And we talk about everything from, oh, Ben don't break defense, who the MVP of the season is. Uh, should I be worrying about not having a secondary running back that's really getting any shares of carries whatsoever? But before that, um, yeah, I usually like to do this whenever Mel Tucker has his weekly press conference. I've just talked about his comments, which are now moved to Mondays, as he's tabbed Mondays with Mel. I'm going to shoot you guys straight, though. I, not a lot came from this press conference. It was, uh, you know, hey, he does coach speak every week. That makes sense. He is a coach. Uh, but even even for uh, usually not giving up too much, he really outdid himself this time. Uh, basically said uh, the, the biggest fun fact I got from the press conference is that the Kenneth Walker 94-yard touchdown run where he shook hands with uh, Naylor on the way to the end zone. Mel Tucker actually didn't see that during the game. He saw that on the bus trip back to the airport, so that's a nice little tidbit there. And he was asked about uh, Indiana this week, uh, the Penix injury to their quarterback who will not be playing. 
against the Spartans this Saturday. Uh, he said they're expecting Indiana to be better than they've seen on tape. Yeah, I mean, listen, Tucker does a great job of getting his guys focused. Week in and week out, no matter who the opponent is, no matter if they're starting quarterbacks playing or injured. Yeah, it was um, really n- nothing too much of value from this press conference, but yeah, we'll, we'll take it. At least you're not stepping up to the microphone and uh, saying anything ridiculous, so eh, whatever. Uh, we do talk about that, though, with Stephen Brooks here in a little bit, who does have thoughts from what he said, not in this press conference on Monday, but the post-game press conference on Saturday, Stephen, uh, liked a few of the tidbits that Mel Tucker had to offer there. So without further ado, hey, let's uh, let's quit wasting time, Matt. Come on, I'm, I'm rambling for, for too long. Let's, let's get to our guy Stephen Brooks here. All right, guys. Yeah, he's back uh, a little earlier than usual. Yes, I'm talking about Stephen Brooks of 24-7 Sports, and he just got out of a just a fantastic uh, eye-opening Mondays with Mel press conference at Spartan Stadium. Um, Stephen, that's kind of a joke. He didn't really say too much in today's weekly press conference. However, let's just let's rewind the clock. Let's go to Saturday. Some interesting postgame uh, notes from Mel Tucker, in your opinion. What really stuck out to you Saturday afternoon in Piscataway with Mel in front of the microphone? Uh, well, one of the things um, was that uh, – his thoughts on the flea flicker, you know, that definitely stood out to me. I mean, of course, they run it for a third time and they score for uh, score with it on a third time. And uh, he just kind of comes out and goes, well, it's just a play, guys. You know, I mean, yeah, it's, there we go. it's no different than inside zone, outside zone or, <laughs> or throwing a hitch. You know, it was basically his comment. And I'm like, oh, OK. You know, I mean, you, you usually kind of put that in a, in a different bin. You know, the flea flicker, it's right there with the double pass and uh the fumble Ruski and all the classics, you know. Um, but he's like, yeah, it's just a play. So <laughs> apparently we shouldn't, uh, you know, sound the alarm when the flea flicker comes uh, comes around again. It's just part of their offense. It's just a regular play. Uh, that was one of the things. Um, you know, he said a lot about just uh, – obviously he was proud of their performance and everything, but um, a lot about, you know, along the lines of winning but also being conscious of the mistakes at the same time. And I think we all saw, you know, some of the mistakes, whether it was players or coaches or operational stuff like that. Uh, it's primarily in the first half. Um, and, and he acknowledged that, you know, he didn't try to sugarcoat it and say like, yeah, you know, this was just, you know, he didn't try to um, blow past that. He was like, yeah, we clearly made some mistakes out there, but um, when you're able to play that way and still win, you know, I, I think that says something. So uh, interesting stuff and good performance from these guys. And uh you know, we're halfway through now and they're undefeated. And halfway through, and I want to get to your midway MVP in a few segments. That's called a cliffhanger, Stephen, in the podcasting business. Uh, first, I, I know yeah, you like that. Uh, first, I do want to keep chopping away at this game here a little bit. Uh, no pun intended. You know, I actually know that chopping pun was intended. I'm going to give myself yes, credit was. for that you one. Know it was. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. Um, I want to talk about Cal Halliday here. Obviously, he was missing the first half uh, due to his targeting call against Western Kentucky. So, I just want to pick the uh, football brain of yours of like what difference did Cal Halliday make in that second half where they pitched their shutout? Was it his coverage that's the best part about his game that helps this defense? Is it his just high football IQ, stiff and plays out? Or what did Cal Halliday display on Saturday that really shows why he has the starting role? Yeah, I think it was sort of the latter there. I think it was the football IQ, um, just sort of the organization. Like in like pretty soon after he came back in the game, the defense just seemed to play more composed, uh, settled down a little bit, just more together. I think there's just sort of an intangible uh, comfort that comes with him on the field and just – 
and maybe it's not even about Cal specifically, but just knowing that you're full units there, like these are our guys, this is our 11 that we practice with, that we know Mm -hmm. knows the system, you know, the safeties behind him didn't have to worry about whether he was going to do the right thing. Um, The D line and everybody else knew that he was going to be making the right calls. Uh, So in general, there was just, like I said, sort of an intangible feeling of like, these guys are more comfortable right now, you know, and I thought the guys that replaced him, uh, had you could see a little bit of you know you saw some missed tackles you saw him being a little a step slow here or there of, of maybe diagnosing some things I thought Halliday is very good at diagnosing things quickly and um, and he's just a pretty sure tackler as well and um, that, those are things that obviously speak to why he's in that role and why they play him you know, basically every defensive snap when he's available so but that was the biggest thing I think it was just a comfort level when he came back um, Kovars Crouch you know is a guy that's still learning on the job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's obvious, and uh, yeah, that's that's something that, that people have talked about. Uh, you know, even six games in, it's still something that that it just it just takes time. You know, I'm not saying he doesn't know what he's doing at all out there. Of course right. not. But uh, and Cal's not like a fifth year experienced dude anyway. But I think he does bring a sense of comfort and confidence and just uh, of know how you know back there. And I thought we saw that. I thought the the play recognition and just uh, reaction from the defense w- was a tick faster with him out there. And of course, we will be right back in a hot second with our guy Stephen Brooks, but need to talk to you fine folks about prize picks. That's right, guys, the daily sports, I'm sorry, the college sports daily fantasy leader. There we go. That's more I like it. Uh, I've been talking to you guys about prize picks for some weeks now, and for good reason, because they offer the most college football props amongst anyone in the world, from the star players of the Power Five, as well as the mid-major players you've never even heard of. So... How on earth do you play prize picks? Well, got to download it from the App Store or Google Play. You got to drop your deposit in there, but also use promo code locked on, all one word, locked on, to score a 100% instant deposit match for up to $100. That's right, promo code locked on. From there, you pick two to five players, pick the over under on their projected stats, and it's just you against the numbers. You're not going up against anyone else's team or anything, it's just you against their projected stats. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less, and best of all, they offer safe and fast withdrawals. So do not hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com and use promo code LOCKEDON to unlock that 100% instant deposit match, or go to the App Store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. And also, gotta talk to you fine folks about Rock Auto. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. And with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Winder often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning, like, oh, does your Hyundai need a Bluegelfluber? I don't know, man. I'm not a car part person at all. I could barely fill up my gas tank. But luckily, the family-friendly people at Rock Auto have got you taken care of. Save time and money when using Rock Auto, because why would you choose to spend 30 50 or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain, store, or car dealership? You would only do it if you were a clown. So, go explore their easy-to-use website today and find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck and write Locked On in there. Hey, how'd you hear about us, Box? So they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, that's rockauto.com. And this is back to our conversation with Stephen Brooks. And really, like, the whole defense played great. Obviously, zero points in the second half, and all the starters played fantastic. So, like a good podcasting host, I'm going to, you know, just not even mention any of them for this next question here. 
there were two guys that got some more spin on defense than they usually do, and that's uh, defensive back Marquis Lowry and, of course, the true freshman linebacker whose name I'm about to butcher, uh, Ma'a Naotiote. Ote? There might be an extra syllable there. But between those two, did either of them impress you? Did you see good things from either of them? Or was their sample size not even big enough to take any concrete takeaways, in your opinion? Uh, with Ma, not really. I, I don't remember. I got to watch it all the way back again. Wait, a series um, or two, I think, yeah. yeah I don't remember him time. playing yeah. too often. He did get in there. Um, I remember Fourth the one quarter, time near the yeah. goal line. or Maybe that was actually Van Summer that I'm thinking of right there. But it, Ma did not play enough for me to really render any judgments. Um, Fair, I actually yeah. liked what he did the other the week before. You know, what he did in that game uh, stuck out more to me than this one. Um, not to say it was bad. I just He just wasn't, mm-hmm. wasn't yeah. somebody that caught my eye. Marquis, though, absolutely. Marquis Lowry, fresh, uh, uh, redshirt freshman transfer from Louisville. Uh, he's a guy that's intriguing because, you know, so the four corners come in. You got Ronald Williams and Kimbrough, who have both played, yeah. like, legitimate experience in the SEC. And then you've got Crump and Lowry, who, were ju- who just had the one year at their schools, and neither of them, very, neither of them played very much. I don't think Crump played at all, actually. So you kind of just naturally put them in two different categories. Like, oh, yeah, of course the experienced guys are going to contribute right away, and these other guys are depth guys. And then it's about the middle of the summer, and I'm talking with some folks uh, who would know these things. And uh, and I kept hearing, hey, Marquis is showing out. You know, don't sleep on him. He's giving our receivers problems. Uh, like, this dude can really play. And that, like I said, that surprised me because I just kind of, uh, you know, not intentionally just sort of tucked him away and been like, yeah, you know, we'll see him in, in 2022, 2023 maybe. And then, like I said, I started hearing really good things about him. It turns out he was actually a little banged up in training camp because when I was hearing these things, it was during the summer. Um, then come camp, I guess he had some type of nagging deal and he just wasn't able to, to to make his best case for himself. And so that's why we really haven't seen him. But, um, you know, like I said, going back to those conversations, I mean, there's some people that think he would have been a starter if he had been healthy uh, all oh. the way through camp and everything. That He, they were, he was that impressive over the summer. Um, so he would have absolutely been in that mix with, with uh, Ronald Williams and Kimbrough. Um, competing for those jobs, and now now that we've seen him, you know, I think he will be in that mix moving forward. Especially now that Kalen Gervin's out, I think he's easily in that top four with with Kimbrough Williams and Chuck Brantley, and and then Marquis. So I liked what I saw from him. He was sticky, man. He was he was he was mm-hmm. aggressive, maybe a little bit too much. I mean, I think he probably could <laughs> he might have dodged a few bullets in terms of uh, penalty pass interference flags. But, uh, you know, you can coach that up. And, and look, he was close to the receivers. We've seen a lot of times this year where the DB, sure. where the corner <laughs> is not close to the receiver. Yeah, uh, you got so that right. That's, yeah, that's right. something. Yeah. Um, I, but I think there was like a swagger and a confidence to him, too. You know, he didn't play a ton, but uh, I, I thought that came through, too. And patience. That was another thing. He, I thought he was patient yeah. out there. And those are all traits that you like. So um, at a position where uh, you need a lot of guys and, and you want to see a little bit of higher level play moving forward, then. Uh, I think that's an interesting sign, a positive sign, maybe. And we have a listener email that kind of touches on MSU secondary and their bend don't break here. But before we get to that, I just have, I, I need you to do this for me. And you've done this time and time again, as you, you know, joined the show uh, ever so graciously, but I don't have Will on here to like check me for a take that I might be getting carried away here with. So I need you to be the person to tell me if I'm right or wrong, or if I need to relax or anything on this, but it's the lack of a secondary running back right now is starting to worry me. Yes, obviously. Okay, Kenneth Walker, all-world guy, Heisman, top four in the odds board everywhere you look. But I, something about just not having a complimentary back behind him, especially with these talented teams in the near horizon MSU is going up against, doesn't necessarily sit well with me. 
do I just need to shut up and relax and realize that the Heisman guy can get 30 carries a game and he doesn't need a second down running back or just, I, I don't, I don't set me, set me straight. Steven. I mean, there, there's, I guess that just, if it hasn't been proven already, there's just no pleasing Matt Sheehan because no, you have not. arguably no. the best running back in the country and you're over here worried about his backup. I mean, well, okay, I well, just and here's the thing the too. It's like there, there's two minutes left in the game and he just walks off with it with a tweaked ankle. And because we don't trust any running back to go in, Hey, Mr. Walker with your tweaked ankle, we just had to wrap again, get back out there. Like, well, why can't like Simmons or Joyner take the load here to set this game off into the sunset and Piscataway? I digress. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sure, sure. Well, no, I, I actually I could agree with that. Um, just in terms of when a game is over, you know, for all intents and purposes, and that's mm-hmm. actually something I noticed even last year with this coaching staff is they don't really yeah. call off the dogs very early. No. When I'm sort of <laughs> when that when that alarm starts to go off in my head, like win or loss, like I, like the Iowa game last year. I was saying, like, oh, like start of the fourth quarter, get Rocky out of there. There was no need. And I don't think they got him out until, like, the last offensive series is when Thorne came in. So that's something that, that we sort of noticed, and we're still sort of learning these these trends or, or tendencies from this coaching staff, and that's one of them. I mean, they just play their guys, like, dang near all the way through. And, you know, maybe there's a message to that of keeping the foot on the pedal or, like you said, maybe they don't trust guys. Um, I think it's probably case by case when you're talking about each guy. But uh, I think Jordan Simmons is a capable number two. I mean, if you give him you know, 10 to 12 carries behind Walker, I think he can get you what you need. I mean, he's he's not Walker, of course. He's not even in no. his you know stratosphere. We know that. But I think he's a capable mid-level. You know, I think he's a Big Ten type of guy that can that can get you in between those those moments to give uh, Walker a breather. And I think that's fine. Um, I still am not. Uh, I'm not ruling out Elijah Collins ever returning to 2019 form. I still think that guy is in there somewhere. I know right now he's a little banged up, but let's say by November he comes back and he looks like that dude from 2019 again. Now you've got something. Uh, we still haven't really seen whether Hale Joyner can, can can do that. Like, Can he get a full series or two series in a row where he's really the guy? You know, He gets one carry and then he's gone, or he's in there for two or three snaps and he doesn't touch the ball and then he's gone and we don't see him for another half. You know, so I'm curious to see what he could do in a in a bigger role. But I think they've got guys between all of them. And and honestly, all you're trying to do realistically is just hang on until Walker can come back in there and get another carry. And I think those guys can do that. You know, if it was Connor Hayward, with all respect to Connor, you know, if if he was in there or somebody like that that was was your interim guy, uh, yeah, you know, you might uh you might be clutching your pearls a little bit and, and trying to hold on in those snaps. But I think Simmons is is fine enough to, to get you through uh, however long of a break you need for Walker. I think he's shown that he can do the job adequately. All right. Well, all right. Well, thanks for that because, yeah, I need someone on here to, to check me and put myself in, in my place and tell me to calm the F down. So appreciate you doing that, man, as always. Um, another thing that has not a lot of fans stressed out, but just maybe a little concerned is, and this gets to the reader email here from Tom, uh, lockedonspartans at gmail.com, by the way. Uh, it's about the bend, don't break defense. Now, Tom has a good question surrounding that. Is that our plan because that's what Hazleton and Tucker want to run? Or are we kind of running that because we don't have the skills yet to run anything more aggressive? So, like, I guess how, how do you interpret the bend, don't break defense, and how sustainable do you think this is? I mean, yeah, we are six games in. That's a healthy sample size, and health seems to be working. But then again, you haven't played the Penn State's, Ohio State's of the world, so... Can it be sustainable against them, you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so the system and the the 
the the formation, the four two five itself, and then the just the the general system, the coverages are running, the blitzes, and all that. That is Hazleton's system. That's what he was running at, at uh, K State and uh, what Wyoming before that or whatever. Like that's his system. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the cushion and everything that they're allowing guys, I mean, when they're playing cover three right now, they are bailing out very hard, very quickly. But there's tweaks you can make to that. I mean, you can be a little more aggressive and and tweak little things that that might not seem like major differences to the naked eye, but just in terms of how they're playing technique, how they're playing releases on receivers. Um, again, maybe they're not bailing out so far or so quickly, you know, where it looks a little bit more like a, like a press man situation. Um, their big thing is trying to disguise what they are doing and what it looks like. So it's, it's a very complicated system. Um, I think maybe, I mean, I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's a little bit of the, the corner talent isn't, you know, elite by any means. I think they're solid. But I think they could. That's, that's an area they could upgrade. Um, it is part. So it's partly based on that. It's partly based on the offenses they're playing. It's like, well, our corners are good, maybe not great, and these some of these offenses want to chuck it deep and everything, you know. So we saw that against uh, Western Kentucky. We saw that against Miami when they were worried about their speed. So, I mean, I think you got to look at results too. <laughs> like it is winning. It yeah, is working. Right. I'm sorry. Yeah. And then, uh, so I, I don't know how to how to really contextualize it all. But like I said, there's. There's little things that they can do over time, I think, as their personnel gets a little bit better. They're, they are trying to make the best of what they have now. Like Angelo Gross, like they would love to have him playing nickel if they could, but mm-hmm. they don't really have a guy that can cover the hashes like he can at that free safety spot either. So you really can't move him out of there, and that's why he, he moved there to begin with, you know. Um, so once they get a true center fielder type in there, like a Jaden Mangum perhaps, uh, or some other corners that, that can maybe do a little bit more um, – and, and uh, be a little more versatile for you. And you can play a little bit more man too and can switch that up. Uh, so I, I, like I said, I think it's a little bit of both. It's a little bit of playing to the opponent's tendencies, a little bit of playing to their personnel right now. But big picture, yeah, this is kind of the scheme and the system. I don't think that means you have to be comfortable giving up, you know, 400 yards passing every week or whatever. Um, I don't think it means you got to be comfortable giving up these big passing plays and just saying, all right, we're in the red zone now, boys, let's try. You know, um, I think that'll get better with time. But uh I think the early early uh, evidence is is pretty strong that Hazelton knows what he has and he's trying to his best to maximize what he does have right now. And we will be right back in a hot second to end the show with our guy Stephen Brooks. We need to talk to you fine folks about home field apparel. Woo! That's right, guys. Home field apparel. You. It, you already know I'm just going to say nothing but great things about them. And not not just because they, you know, pay to be a sponsor of this podcast, but this is the most comfortable shirt you'll ever wear in your entire life. A little fun fact, I'm actually wearing one right now. That's right, one of their 19 vintage designs that they have on their website at homefieldapparel.com. You might think that you know all the logos, you might think you know everything that MSU has to offer in their little treasure chest of just awesome insignia and logos, but whoo-hoo, Homefield Apparel, mm-mm. They're going to prove you wrong because they curate just the most incredible logos. They, they dig deep into old game programs, old yearbooks. They talk to historians from the university and the online MSU community. And it is just sensational. Even, even if it was just on one of those classic cotton shirts that just you know, kind of feel like you're putting on construction paper, I think I'd still buy them. But that is just not what Homefield Apparel does. They... Oh, it's like putting on a cloud every single day. It is the most comfortable shirt you will own, the most stylish shirt you will own. And also, they like to hook it up with a promo code, baby. That's right. Locked on Spartans. All one word. Locked on Spartans at homefieldapparel.com. That's going to get you 15% off your purchase. 
That's right, guys. Homefieldapparel.com. Promo code locked on Spartans. Treat yourself to 15% off your first purchase with Homefield and the awesome shirts that they have to offer. That's right. That's Homefield. Homefieldapparel. Excuse me. Dot com. And also, guys, uh, if you're like me, you get really nervous during these Michigan State games every Saturday. But if you're not like me, you might be uh, sweating it up a little bit. That's right. Not with sweat block wipes. That's right. Because that's what I use. Sweat block wipes takes care of you on the weekends after you apply it on a Monday. That's right. That might sound crazy, but it's true. Because sweat block wipes works up for seven days per use. The doctor-created, doctor-recommended product sticks. Buy their products with their dry shirt guarantee. That's right. If you uh, sweat a little bit after you use sweat block, mm -mm, no, you're going to get your hard-earned money right back to you. But I wouldn't plan on that, as uh, they have been the number one in Amazon's antiperspirant category for quite some time now and have racked 13,000-plus reviews up of their product. Uh, hey, people, stand by this doctor-created, doctor-recommended product that's made in the good old U.S. of A, baby. So if you or someone you love is dealing with the Saturday sweats during a Spartan game, go to sweatblock.com. Smash in promo code locked on. That's right, one word, locked on. And that's going to get you 20% off your order. One more time, guys. 20% off at sweatblock.com with promo code locked on. And let's get back to our guy, Stephen Brooks, baby. Woo! And to ride off this podcast episode into the sunset here, let's talk about the midseason MVP. And let's break this up by like side of the ball. We'll start with offense. Really quick, is it is it Kenneth Walker? Because we can make this more interesting if it's just obviously Kenneth Walker, which I, I would think it is. It is Kenneth Walker. Yeah, okay. So who's who's the second MVP then? Because that is now that's the fascinating conversation here. Because obviously Thorne looking pretty good, balling out two interceptions. One was hey, credit to Rutgers for that one last week. That was a good one. But also, uh yeah, there's some guys named uh Naylor and Reed on the outside too. So like or is it am I missing an offensive lineman too? That's really impressive. Like, who is the second? MVP on the offense in your eyes. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, Jarrett Horse did pop into my into my head. Uh, JD Duplain, you know, sort of pops yeah, into solid, my head yeah. now that I think. But um, it's got to be Reed, I think, for me, especially because you know maybe this is cheating, but I mean, with what he does on special teams, mm -hmm. um, the big playability, the consistency, uh, it's got to be him. You know, he's been involved in the run game a little bit too, and just his blocking. You know, folks, I cannot yeah. keep saying that enough. That dude is blocking his tail off this year. And for a star receiver who is like 5'11", you know, and 180 pounds, uh, a true star player, like to be out there putting his helmet into people the way he is, that's impressive stuff, you know, that you just don't see that all the time. And, of course, the folks, I think, I would hope, saw it on the 94-yard run from, from Walker the other day. But mm -hmm. he's doing that all the time. And that's, that's a credit to Courtney Hawkins and, and what he's got these guys are doing and buying into that. It's a credit to Reed, too, though, and just just being down to do it. I mean, the, the effort is half the battle there, and uh, he's he's showing more than enough effort in that regard. So I would say him, but uh, some of those other guys are in the mix. Thorne's in the mix, too, but I, I would say more, you know, I still think he's sort of, um, he's just sort of playing, the, he, he's sort of Rajon Rondo to me now. You know, he's he's sort of just, yeah. he's dishing it all out and doing everything he needs to do. He's not calling his own number very much. He's not very flashy, and it's fine. It's winning, but uh it's those other guys that are making the huge, huge plays, I think. The, the Peyton Thorne thing is fascinating because, like, and I've said this early on in the season, it's like he's a game manager, but I don't mean that, like, in an insult. Like, a lot of times, especially when you talk, like, NFL quarterbacks, you're like, oh, he's just a game manager. Like, no, I, I say that with the utmost respect when I talk about Peyton Thorne's game. Like, he just is smart, gets it done, gives it to his guys, and 
doing what he's asked to do. So, like, yeah, I don't think that's a slight uh, against the kid yeah. necessarily. Um, what about defense? Now, I, I don't want to throw the O word out and say obvious, but I, I think there is a front runner in my head. I want to see if you've got the same name for your defensive MVP, and then we could do who's the second MVP if you have the same name. It's it is obvious. It's Xavier Henderson. Uh, yeah, far okay. away. Figured, yeah, all right, there we go. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, that guy's yep. been amazing this year. Very, very good season for X, and uh, he's doing it all. He's playing like every snap. I mean, he's he's he's, he's, been, he's become a sure tackler. Um, he's in the right position. You can tell he knows the defense, and uh, he's getting the table set back there. I mean, he's kind of he has a lot of those responsibilities too in terms of. Uh, telling guys where to be, you know, sort of like your old school, traditional middle linebacker. Uh, he's, he's doing a lot of that about out there as well. And, and he's their best leader, you know, as well. So yeah. yeah, he's been outstanding. As far as second MVP though, on the defense, like there are oh, like six, seven names that could pop into my head right now for this. I mean, okay. Halliday's been great. Panashuk solid. Um, Gross has been great. Darius Snow, low key. He's been awesome. I mean, or is there another name that I haven't even mentioned yet as I'm just spitballing at the top of my brain right now for, Second top guy on that defense. Yeah, that that kind of is tough. Like it's, it's like really you said, tough. there's about yeah. a half dozen there. I mean, um, I might even go Jacob Slade. You know, I mean, the yeah. way he sort of anchored them in the middle there. I mean, they play a lot of other guys there, but uh, he's kind of been the constant as well. And Simeon Barrows had a really nice year. He's kind of having a breakout. He's kind of having the breakout that a lot of us thought Jalen Hunt would have actually. Sure, and, uh, yeah. Barrows yeah. pretty much overtaken him and and taking the wheel there, and he's been really good. Um, Halliday, you could discuss. I would have said Drew Beasley before he got hurt. Um, right, I might have I even said him. Eh, I wouldn't have said him over X, but he would. He would have probably been the easy number two for me there. Uh, and Angelo Gross has to be in that discussion as well. I mean, I think he's he's been pretty much just as good as Henderson. And you know, they 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 do different things, but he's been a sure tackler. He's cleaned up a lot of messes, put out a lot of fires in the back end there, and you see like that ranginess of why they like him back there. He's he's just all over the field. Um, so as I talk myself into a circle here, I guess I would go gross. I think I would lean him there and probably honestly, Halliday's a uh, half game suspension was probably, it was probably enough to tip it in his favor. I think it's that close yeah. there, but gross, I think has played, you know, again, like every snap. So I guess I'll give him just a little, a little slight nod, uh, as the runner up. Yeah, not only is he playing a lot and playing well, but my God, he lays the wood on people. Like just at 5'10", 180 pounds, he is just nuking, nuking these guys whenever he gets the shoulder pads on him. So He is. Um, I tweeted it during the game, but he reminds me a little bit of Bob Sanders in that respect. Um, sort of similarly well, sized yeah. dude, shorter dude, but just comes up and hits you and you feel it. Hey, uh, here's a question that I'm going to waste time with because Mel Tucker doesn't give any information out when it comes to injuries, but... I- any idea when to expect Drew Beasley back? Like, is this a week by week thing? Is it might be shut down for the season thing? Do you have like any inkling of how long this could be? I'm I'm expecting him back this season, is what I can say. Um, okay. How soon? I don't know, but I don't believe fair. it's season ending. Fair, fair. Uh, and let me guess too. He's sore. I'm just gonna guess he's he's a little sore. <laughs> uh, he and is sore by all accounts. Uh, okay, I, cool. I would assume he's less sore now than a couple sure. of weeks ago. You know, maybe less sore by the, by the day. But, uh, yeah, so that, that's my um, read on it is that I, I expect him back at some point this year. I don't think his career is over yet. 
All right, fair enough. That's good. Good to know. You know, I I realize I never asked how you're doing today, Stephen. Uh, let me you know set you up with that question to get you out of here. How how are you doing this whole last twenty minutes ruin your day or are we doing okay over there? No, no. Uh, when I go mow my lawn in a second, that's going to ruin my day. Actually, got it. Uh, there we go. Nice. <laughs> it's been a good right. day though. Like I said, I ran into a fan. Uh, shout out to Alex, I believe his name was from the State News. One time. Um, who recognized me my voice actually, which was surprising. Love that. Love uh, Long time listener of yours, so you know he's a smart fella. And a state news reporter, so you, you even know further that uh, he's got a good head on his shoulders. So uh, shout out to him. Hope he's listening to this one. Hope he listens to you every other day that I'm also not on here. Hopefully I'm not the only draw. And, uh, yeah, just uh, if anybody wants to take over my lawn service, you know, um, moving forward here <laughs> through the rest of the fall, uh, get in contact with me on Twitter and we can work that out. Yeah, all right. Well, fair enough. Um, shoot, I, I I might just go ahead and do that. I might just drive the hour and a half to your house just to pay you back for all these appearances. So, uh, yeah, I'll see you in about ninety that minutes. Steven. How about that? That How could that work. Actually, right. you know, <laughs> full transparency. I've never asked for compensation, folks, but you know what? Uh, Matt's putting something on the table here. I might not be able to turn down. So, we'll no, no, absolutely not. No, these opportunities <laughs> don't don't come around often. So, yeah. <laughs> jump at it, baby. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, thanks a ton, Stephen. You're the man. And once again, thanks a ton to our guy Stephen Brooks for hopping on for another week and uh, bringing us through another week of MSU football and letting us pick his brain about all things pigskin, baby. So, yeah. Um, and again, thank you for making Lockdown Spartans your first listen every single day. If you need some more, if you need some more football in your life, may it interest you in Locked On Big Ten with our guy Nate Dickinson. Um, guys, like you know, you already know this. We do this five days a week, Monday through Friday. Uh, tomorrow's show, we'll crack open the mailbag. If you have any questions, uh, LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com. We'll just bebop around a bunch of random topics. Uh, what do we got? Thursday show, Colton Pouncey of The Athletics is going to join us. And then Friday, we will get into the Indiana preview. Uh, we're going to talk to the fine people of HoosierHuddle.com. So, yeah, we got a full slate of content for you guys, as always, about your 6-0, 6-0 Michigan State Spartans. Did you know that they are 6-0? and That's right. That means six wins and zero losses. Bang. All right, guys, once again, hey, thank you so much for uh, for listening. You guys are the best. Love you all. Let's have a day. Go green. Go green. Let's go.